Welcome to All Together Now. This is Eleanor Lacane. We all watched in shock this summer when U.S. troops withdrew from Afghanistan and the Taliban regained control. There is grave concern about what will happen now to the Afghan people, especially the women, particularly the women who have stood up for women's rights. One of these Afghan women leaders is our guest today, Asila Wadik. I met Asila 18 years ago when I went to Kabul to help lead a leadership seminar for women that she was instrumental in organizing. Asila went on to become an internationally renowned human rights activist and diplomat who worked as the Director General of Human Rights and Women's International Affairs in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. She also served as Minister Counselor of the Afghan Mission to the United Nations. Additionally, she served in the High Peace Council, where she went toe-to-toe in negotiations with the Taliban. Recently, she was at the UN with other Afghan women leaders, calling for the international community to step up their commitment to women and human rights in the face of the return of the Taliban. She's here with us today to tell us her story and tell us what's happening in Afghanistan now. Asila Wadik, welcome to All Together Now. Thank you so much, dear Eleanor, uh, and good afternoon to everybody that is uh, hearing my, my voice. I'm sorry, today I'm not feeling well because I have cold and flu. So with my broken uh, uh, voice, I will be able, I will try my best to, to answer your question and then to share my, my thoughts and stories. Thank you for giving me a chance. I appreciate that. And I know you're not feeling well. And I appreciate in spite of that, you're carrying on as you have for so many years to have your voice be heard on behalf of the women of Afghanistan. So thank you for that. Um, Let's start by this. You know, you grew up under Taliban rule. What was your experience of the Taliban the first time they were in power? Now, we're going back beyond 20 years before the U.S. intervened. What was like life like for you growing up under the Taliban? Um yeah, back uh, to, to 20 years back, I was very young and like a teenager. Um, I was uh, living with my parents um, in Pakistan in a refugee camp, and uh, I was working at the same time also with the um, Canadian High Commission uh, uh, as a gender advisor, and then that was the time that giving me chance to um, visit all the camps with refugees and also um, allowed me to go to Afghanistan to work with uh, Afghan women uh, that they were under control of uh, Taliban by providing of uh, humanitarian aid, vocational training, literacy classes, homeschools, uh, these uh, stuff. So um, I was very young when Taliban came for the first time in Afghanistan, and uh, but uh, I was very active and then uh, uh, I was not allowed to uh, travel alone to Afghanistan because we were living in Pakistan. And with help of my uh, late father, um, um, I was able to travel to Afghanistan and then going to different remote area under the um, control of Taliban uh, with provision of uh, head assistance. I was helping Afghan women and uh, children. Yeah, that's great. And so then uh, the U.S. intervened 20 years ago and knocked the Taliban out of power. Um, what was your experience after that U.S. intervention? How did your life change? 
Uh, yeah, of course, after the Bonn uh, conference uh, in 2001, uh, I was also one of the um, uh, women, uh, Afghan women, that attended the, bon, the first Bonn conference on uh, Afghanistan and then the formation of the new interim government uh, in 2001. Uh, <coughs> uh, with the intervention of, um, in support of uh, our U.S. Uh, uh, friends in Afghanistan, of course, they were there to help um, uh, Afghanistan government and also people of Afghanistan, especially uh, women. And it, it was a good entry point because they used the Afghan name, uh, Afghan woman name and children that we are there to support. But really, they, in a way that they support, we are very much uh, thankful. Of course, uh, the taxpayer of the U.S. and also those that they send their uh, sons and brothers uh, uh, as a soldiers to Afghanistan. The intervention was really good and also in the shape of uh, uh, reconstruction team, the PRT team, they did great job, uh, not only U.S., but different countries in Afghanistan in terms of development of the um, uh, projects, different big uh, humanitarian and also development uh, construction project. They helped uh, a lot. And we were uh, very much happy working uh, day by day with our uh, U.S. Uh, uh, partners and different um, uh, level. That's wonderful. And um and maybe if you could speak just a little bit slower, that would be great. And uh, we want to catch every word you've got because you have such an amazing story to tell. Uh, so when the U.S. knocked out the Taliban, a, a lot of opportunities opened up for you. And, and you ended up being a very high-ranking woman in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Um, talk a little bit about what did you do for women uh, over the past 20 years while the Taliban were gone? Um, yeah, luckily, as I mentioned, uh, that was the, the time that uh, they provided the international community, especially U.S., uh, they provided lots of good opportunities, uh, not only for me, but for all people of Afghanistan, especially for women and girls. Uh, especially girls, they had the opportunity to go uh, and then their studies in the U.S. with providing a fellowship and a scholarship and different schools they went and then they come back uh, to, to Kabul, to, to Afghanistan, to serve their uh, countries. I was also one of those uh, uh, girls and um, uh, uh, we can say women that uh, I got the opportunity to uh, work with different UN uh, organizations in Afghanistan and also um, I had the opportunity to work with the Foreign Service, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Afghanistan as uh, uh, Director General uh, for Human Rights and International uh, um, Organization, where uh, I had uh, many chances to work with different partners, uh, international partners. Uh, um, I myself, uh, in the capacity of uh, Director General of um, Human Rights uh, uh, in the ministry, um, we, we we drafted the first CEDAW uh, report for Afghanistan. After 12 years, we were uh, able to, uh, to report to the UN uh, about our uh, about the convention of elimination of uh, all kind of violence against women and we reported uh, and also we were part of uh, this big uh, campaign of violence against women uh, women un peace security resolutions so this was the chance that uh, uh, we all we had all this uh, privilege to work in closely with other uh, women in the country not only in kabul because uh, um, i was traveling also to different uh, provinces uh, uh, establishing the uh, women development centers, having women networks, all these uh, things. Uh 
so we have good um, opportunity and also um, in the past uh, 20 years i had uh, the opportunity also to uh, to serve um, in the us at the un um, as you mentioned in my introduction i was uh, minister counselor uh, um, for the Afghanistan mission in uh, New York, uh, where I had, uh, again, many more opportunities to work closely with UN entities and all UN uh, colleagues in, the, in uh, New York. And later on also, I was one of the human rights, um, elected human rights uh, commissioner of uh, OIC. With, uh, I was working with Organization of Islamic uh, Cooperation, where I had a chance to raise many issues about Afghanistan, about women, about human rights violation, all these uh, things. These were the international platforms that I was uh, working in. Right. <coughs> and for our, our listeners who may not be familiar with the background, they, when the Taliban were in control of Afghanistan, which of course, you know, there, were, there were training camps there for the terrorists who wanted to kill Americans and attack Westerners. And in terms of the Taliban treatment of the Afghan people, they were very restrictive about the women in Afghanistan. They were forbidding women to women and girls to get an education. They were uh, severely restricting the rights of women to work. Um, so give us a sense of what uh, what those restrictions were like uh, before that uh, U.S. intervention happened. Yeah, um, unfortunately, since 2010, uh, there was lots of changes um, in terms of security because Taliban got more uh, in power. And uh, um, however, U.S. Uh, troops and other um, NATO troops uh, they were available in, in Afghanistan, and especially after the PRT, the provincial reconstruction teams, they left Afghanistan. So the security got uh, very worse uh, in terms of women's movement and also all these uh, other stuff. But 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 still, we had the government, uh, elected government. Uh, there was an place the capital was peaceful we had all these movements and despite all these security challenges to women and uh, all afghan people but we had the courage to go and then to move every day there was one explosion one attack one thing uh, but still we had the courage uh, and then because there was a moral as i mentioned that there was a government uh, uh, we could work we could uh, get encouragement and also international community uh, there was but especially last year when the international uh, troops they left afghanistan and then many embassies they announced that they are going to close so the situation gets uh, worse uh, and worse. And then we lost all our moral and, and confidence. And, and, and it ended up with the, the collapse of the, the government. All right. And I remember when I went to Afghanistan 18 years ago to work with uh, you and the other women there around issues of leadership. And um, there at that point, I was meeting with women who came to the seminar who had been forbidden to teach or to learn while the Taliban were in power. They were against girls and women getting an education. And yet, as some of the women there risked their lives in order to teach the girls uh, how to read and write and to teach them 
um, different subject matter. They literally were risking their lives to be able to teach the girls because they thought it was so important for girls to learn. Um, so what was education like once the Taliban were gone? Yeah, the education, uh, <clears throat> like a big number of um, Afghans uh, children, they were uh, enrolled in school after Taliban uh, collapsed uh, 20 years back. As I mentioned, we had uh, girls uh, going to universities. We had women in the police sectors, in the private sectors, in the cabinets and everywhere. And we had so many uh, uh, private uh, universities that they were uh, very much active. And then they were um, in, in enrolling uh, women, especially women and in, uh, in, in girls in, in, in the entire uh, country. The education got from, uh, from uh, 0% all by sudden to 13 percent uh, uh, high level and uh, it was a uh, gradually it was much more uh, till last year till uh, august 2021 that when they they closed all schools the education rate was very high uh, people from uh, different um, provinces they had the opportunity to go to high schools to primary schools women they could teach they could learn they could go outside uh, uh, attending conferences all but all by sudden uh, all all these happened that women have have nothing to do now right it, it was a huge opening so now we've got 20 years where girls and women in afghanistan could have an education and could work and now uh that's very much in jeopardy um you went toe-to-toe -to -toe with these talent i mean th when we say extremists these guys are just they're just crazy. It's it's not like they're just conservative. They they have like a seems like a very distorted view of uh, of what the religious teachings are, and um, you know the uh, the Prophet Muhammad actually married a businesswoman who was a merchant, uh, Khadijah. So it's you know the the actual traditions don't prohibit. Uh, women and girls from working, but the interpretation by the Taliban was that women couldn't work. They were made to wear these, um, the clothing covering you from head to toe, including the face, which was very difficult. Um, so, I mean, even eating ice cream, the women were telling me, you know, the Taliban were against eating ice cream. So they had, if they were going to eat ice cream, they had to do it in, in secret. So it was a very strict regime and they had vicious enforcement about uh, having a whole ministry of enforcement of their rules to, uh, you know, beat women who were not dressed the way they wanted women to dress or, um, so these were very, uh, really vicious guys. Um, and yet you went toe to toe with the Taliban in negotiations. Tell us what that experience was like. Uh, yeah, I was also part of the High Peace Council and then I had the chance to go uh, to different uh, events, uh, to Doha and then other uh, places to sit with Taliban and then uh, talk with them uh, and negotiate uh, with them about uh, uh, peace. Uh, but the Taliban that we met um, in, in the um, first place in Doha, in Qatar, uh, 
they said that uh, we are not against uh, women uh, um, uh, work. We are not against uh, girls' education. So yes, we are against uh, co-education, but we are not uh, against uh, girls' education. They will be allowed to work, and then they will be allowed to uh, go to schools, or to, uh, and then we will create more job opportunities and all these uh, stuff. So I was very happy that uh, we're thinking that yeah, because they changed. So the mentality that uh, 20 years back. Uh, now it has been changed, a big change, because now they are talking about the creation of job opportunity, more safe environment for women and girls and all these uh, things. But uh, unfortunately, when they, when they came to uh, Afghanistan after the collapse, everything was changed, I mean, except Taliban. Because their mentality, the same fundamentalism, the same things, it didn't change the first thing that they announced that uh, it was against women and girls uh, education. They banned all women uh, from uh, going to work uh, in offices and also girls education. Uh, after 10 years uh, of girls, they are not allowed to, to go to uh, schools. And uh, unfortunately, in the in a big picture, if you see that uh, Taliban also, uh, I mean, Islam is about peace. Islam is not about uh, extremism. Islam is not about violence. Islam is the religion of peace and tolerance. And uh, there is there is clear uh, in, in, in Islam that uh, girls and boys, men and women, they can study, they can go to schools. I don't know from where they, they found this that girls mm -hmm. or women cannot work or as you mentioned uh, Bibi Khadija wife of uh, Prophet Muhammad she was a business uh, woman she was traveling she was doing business and then Prophet Muhammad married uh, her and then there are many thousands of uh, examples in in, uh, in Islam uh, like Bibi Khadija but unfortunately the, the intervention the interpretation from Islam that they gave to international community and to others it's all about violence it's all about uh, extremism, but Islam is not uh, the religion of uh, extremism and, and, and violence. Right, exactly. And uh, it's very um, odd. I mean, given that, you know, what you're saying is that Islam is about peace. And yet uh, these Taliban were very violent to their own people, um, not just Westerners, but uh, anybody who didn't think the way they thought. So in the past 20 years with the work you've done with the women in Afghanistan, you mentioned you were working to try to reduce violence against women. What progress do you think was made over the past 20 years to reduce violence against women when the Taliban were out of power? Uh, well, Afghanistan is... Um, uh, in Afghanistan, we, we, we faced lots of violences in the past many years. Even my mother and my grandmother, she faced family violence. My mother, she faced, she, she, uh, she experienced, and so many things. But the progress that, in my opinion, is now, I mean, like, till uh, before August, that there was good reporting that women, they got this confidence to report to go to police station, to go to Ministry of Women's Affairs, 
to talk to, to find a lawyer if someone is not happy i mean divorce it's it's uh, it's not haram it's halal in islam so if someone is not happy then they 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 got this awareness that they uh, they should go and separate from while they were facing lots of violences beating up and children were in and not in a good peaceful environment so these these kind of awareness that uh, to women to, to afghan women gave them the chance and confidence to raise their voices and then to speak up also plus economically the, the women they were not that much relying on male uh, co- company they themselves uh, i was like a, a single woman i was not relying on my brothers on my father or i was doing myself i was working and then from economical point of view women they were very much uh, empowered and then there were lots of laws and uh, uh, constitution they were in support of afghan uh, women that uh, uh, provide all assistance and shelter and support uh, to afghan women and girls yeah f- fantastic well it's great you made good use of the 20 years where the Taliban were out because now we've got as we all know the uh United States pulled out the troops this past uh year and in August the Taliban retook control and tell us a little bit of your experience when when the US military left Afghanistan and the Taliban came back you know what what did what did you do yeah uh, i think in my opinion uh, us troops not only us nato and other uh, international community mm-hmm. they were not in afghanistan forever and they shouldn't be in, in in the country forever they were there for a while to uh, to support and then to help and then provide assistance to afghan government and afghan uh, people but we had especially in terms of us we had a bilateral agreement with uh, the us government i mean the, it, it it was very clear all this sort of assistance and withdrawal there was everything mentioned but we especially we afghan women because of security we had concern that maybe taliban will come and then international troops will leave then what will be happening to all these girls and women and we were begging and asking and urging all international communities about responsible withdrawal we were not expecting such things that they left and then they gave the uh, government the, the 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 entire country to the hand of taliban we were expecting to uh, have an interim government or maybe a election or something of course we had so much difficulties also with last government because there were uh, lack of transparency corruption and then all as i mentioned that us taxpayers they were sending their money but there was no transparency and no accountability but we were not deserving and we were not expecting afghan people in such in such a uh, irresponsible withdrawal that they left everything behind and then left us behind with nothing and then the collapse happened and uh, even taliban they, they they are claiming that we were not prepared to come to kabul and then to take kabul because they were thinking because during the peace process they were thinking to to have gradually uh, uh, transformation of the government but not uh, like this to leave everything and then another thing that made us very upset that uh, us government signed a contract with taliban directly and then they forget uh, government of afghanistan and then people of afghanistan no one consulted with afghan people and then there was no consultation no involvement of uh, government of afghanistan however i am saying that the government also themselves they were corrupt 
but still as an elected government, they should be part of that uh, negotiation. All right. Well, and of course, when the Taliban did regain control this past August, the people who had supported the the Western effort there and the, uh, the uh, Western-backed government uh, and who had supported women's rights now became targets of the Taliban. And, and like you said, the Taliban were pretending that, oh, well, this time will be different. We're not going to be as severe and violent as we were last time we were in power. But in fact, once the Taliban got back in power, they actually did start hunting down people they thought were their so-called enemies and assassinating them or, you know, beating them or even killing them. So uh, what can you tell us about that situation? Uh, yeah, as you rightly um, said that it's it's not only uh, those that they worked for um, Americans or for international communities or for the UN that they are at the risk. We d- we had army, we had police officers, we had authority generals, we had uh, women uh, MPs, we had male MPs, a big a big uh, number of people that they were working for government. So unfortunately, most of them they are feeling that they are at risk. I'm very much thankful to international community, especially to U.S., for evacuating them, for evacuation of the people of Afghanistan and then to to help. But still, there are a big number of people that they are in the country and then they are facing uh, risk because uh, we are hearing different news. However, the media is very much controlled in Afghanistan in general, but still through social media and then through personal connections and from friends, we are hearing that still the atrocity is going on. People are uh, losing their lives, that there is no reporting. People, they are coming and then uh, searching houses, uh, killing. And uh, so, so these things are uh, going on still. There is no right. amnesty. They announced the, the general uh, amnesty, but there is no. Right, exactly. And uh, so... On top of all of those concerns is also with the sanctions now by the United States and the Western countries, there's uh, a a real problem of access of food, also complications from weather due to the climate change. Um, So there's a real danger of hunger and maybe even famine uh, expected this winter in Afghanistan. You know, what do you think the U.S. and the international community should do now? Do you favor lifting those sanctions if there's some restrictions or do you think we should keep those sanctions on because the Taliban doesn't deserve recognition? Um, In terms of recognition, uh, it's a big question mark. Uh, The legitimacy uh, should come from people of Afghanistan. And uh, people of Afghanistan should decide that whether they should give them um, recognition or not, then international community should think about recognition. But at the, at the moment, because the, the country is drought-affected country, winter is there, and then we are facing a harsh winter with all these 35, 34 millions of people that they are in the country because they have been not paid for four months since the Taliban uh, came to the country. There is no uh, payment. Uh, there is no uh, money in the banks. Uh, so all these uh, 
problems liquidity uh, crisis uh, is is there there is no enough cash in the banks so uh, international community i urge international community to not leave people of afghanistan alone at this point especially humanitarian aid assistance is very crucial because winter is already there i really don't know why un organization still they are waiting there are so many active ngos and international ngos still in, in the country that they are eager to work and then there are also lots of models that the international community can be adopt uh, models from yemen or venezuela or syria that they can directly send uh, uh, money and then food to people of afghanistan of course women should be at the top uh, priority of because we do have big number of like more than millions of uh, women uh, widow widows of the 40 years of war widows of the national army and then civilian killing that they they lost their male company and then they are the breadwinner of their uh, families they have to uh, feed their uh, children so i urge international community to not uh, lift us behind in this winter and then send their their support to to afghanistan also in terms of diplomatic uh, engagement i think it's important to uh, to give moral support to, to those uh, evacuation was partially uh, okay but uh, it's also difficult for the entire uh, nation to leave the country 35 millions of people are there me a small number of uh, women and uh, afghan men they, they left the country but they have to be fed they have to be supported and with uh, opening all these uh, embassies you can give moral support moral to those people that they left behind in the country yes yeah, so you favor you would favor keeping the sanctions on but provide humanitarian support so we can get food to the people of Afghanistan and do it through the non-governmental organizations is that right yes yes and then international community they have money leverage that they can use but at this point uh, they cannot focus that the humanitarian assistance shouldn't be politicized right exactly well where uh that's all the time we have uh just if listeners wanted to be in touch with you asila how can they uh stay in touch support you and support uh the work in afghanistan um yes my email is there uh, maybe um, i don't know uh, you can provide my email and whatsapp also because not only me but the rest of the afghan women they really need support and once again i'm very much thankful to uh, international community especially to us that they welcome all afghans it's not easy even us people in us government they were not uh, prepared for such uh, um, refugees flows and then they provided their house they provided their uh, rooms they, they they share their foods they share their clothes they share their uh, shoes with afghan uh, refugees that they entered uh, after august and i'm very much uh, thankful to uh, each of uh, each of you that's great well uh, that's all the time we have asila wardak Thank you so much for your courageous work on behalf of women and for sharing your story with us here today. Thank you for listening to me.